Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. everyone good evening welcome to the wednesday night segment of the outer realm we are broadcasting live on the united public radio network ufo paranormal radio network 105.3 and 107.7 fm from the beautiful city of new orleans we are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at folgers coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning so thank you folgers we appreciate you so very much also big thank you to dr snick justin snicker the sonic surgeon for his sponsorship and contribution of his time, his music, and his voice for the intro and outro. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found anywhere that good music can be found. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of the artwork here at the Outer Realm. Big thank you to him. Check him out on Instagram and, of course, Facebook. He does a lot of commission pieces and has a lot of great horror pieces ready to go. So tonight, we welcome Philip Kinsella. And honestly, I've been waiting for this because, like, I think the, the book Sky Crash throughout time um, was fascinating to say the least but i think he had me at reptilian i just I was like what i did not see that coming i totally did not see that coming anyway amongst other things so you guys will be um listening to this in record mode so you'll have to just meet little old me in the chat room later on um and if you have any questions sorry guys put it in chat and fill up and check it out after the fact all right Here's the man himself. Hello. Hello, Michelle, and thank you very much for having me on your amazing show. I'm very honored indeed. Oh, thank you. Honor is mine. Believe me, I've really been looking forward to this. So it's like, mind you, I don't think Philip ever sends me anybody that I don't really have a good time with. So Philip Mantle, <laughs> of course, you know, yes. um, flying disc press, and he's always like, oh, I have amazing people. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> so so here you. we are. <laughs> so I like to start off around humble beginnings. I mean, we don't, we don't, I won't say because I'm one of those people, we don't usually just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm just going to do this unless you've had a personal experience. Like I've had them since I was a child. Um, so I always sort of knew I was destined to be a little bit odd. <laughs> so <laughs> how about yourself? Where do you want well, to start? I can join that club. Um, <laughs> when um, I have an identical twin brother, um, Ronald, and myself, when we were younger, we used to spend time with our maternal grandparents. Um, they were like uh, second parents to me and my brother. They lived in a fairly big house, and we spent our vacation periods there. In fact, all the vacation periods that we could there. And it was one summer more, uh, well, summer kind of like afternoon, late late morning afternoon. We have, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of like try and cast your mind back to an event and you can't particularly specify a time but we think it was the afternoon we were out the back uh, with in their garden and it was a beautiful summer's day a slight breeze and, and we saw this 
in broad daylight, this silver orb. Um, mm. And we were 13 years of age at the time, me and my brother, um, coming through the sky quite fast. We thought at first it was a balloon and then found out that it wasn't because it came over the garden and hung suspended over our grandmother's head. Now, it was perfectly spherical. It, there were no markings on it. It was silver. Or like it, it seemed to cast a kind of like a dirtiness on it, and that was because of the reflection from the tree in the garden. And we asked our grandmother what it was. It made no sound or anything like that. And she said, the fairies have come to take a closer look at us because she was psychic. I love that. But we knew it wasn't the fairies. And this object then moved towards the second floor of the house, looking through the bedroom windows, then went up to the third floor, which would have been the loft area um, or another bedroom area, and then went over the house. And we ran into the house, up the stairwell, and into the front part of the house. And we saw it moving off quite quickly. That was the start of uh, this areas of high strangeness. What really got me involved in this was that many years later, we lived in the village of Marston Mortain, uh, five miles outside of Bedfordshire. And we lived in a big house in a cul-de-sac. And on, on one such occasion, I, I won't go into too much detail with it. Of course. And has been analysed. <laughs> um, there was what I could only describe as the viewing of a being that came through the glass to the doors. Mm. And in the early hours of the morning, I had what people refer to as an abduction. Uh. an alien abduction, and one that played out quite fantastically, but it was also something that uh, petrified the life out of me. And at the end result of that, I had been left with um, scars, um, nosebleeds to the right nostril, uh, marks on my right arm, found it difficult to, to walk, and also an implement that years later had been discovered in my right ear, but not really treated very mm. strangely. So, it was partly to do with what we would call the greys. Mm. And at that point within time, I had been 20 years of age and I had no interest in aliens, but I wanted to find out what they were, what happened to me, why it happened. And this then led to me beginning to write about it. And I was credited very honorably so with an article that came out in 1996 called Spirits in a Material World, which dealt with the abduction hypothesis and certainly a model that I have been working on ever since to kind of like understand uh, several theoretical areas of what the greys could possibly represent. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell is how I got involved in ufology. Wow. that And that's a big question, what the greys represent, because so many people are on the fence with that one. It's Some people have phenomenal experiences. Other people are just like, no, I'm good. Like, yes, yes. You know, I, I have one yeah. shop right beside me. I, I was awake, and I'm laying in bed. I'm going, so I'm feeling a little vulnerable. I just remember going, nope. I just turned you over. It's like, nope, I'm not doing this. But I'm sure it happened. But I just yeah. let me fall asleep. I don't care. But what is? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I wouldn't even have. I wouldn't be sure if I wanted to get involved after having that sort of an experience. Yeah, well, it was rather, because I'm very practical, I'm a very grounded individual, I, I'm very, very, very grounded, and I deal with, mm. uh, you know, uh, no-nonsense attitude, but right. in terms of the UFO subject and psychic realms, uh, it is, they are real. 
Um, and what happened in 1996, uh, when I had this article published in a magazine here that is now uh, no longer available or published called Alien Encounters, I had uh, a download. It, I remembered mm. in 1996 because the abduction happened in 1989. And for mm. years, I've been trying to think about it. And this idea came into my head. Now, I know that I am. there are a lot of people who have their own ideas about what the greys are, what yeah. they represent, where they come from. And this is the really murky area that we find ourselves because you, you don't have an opinion because mm -hmm. if you do, then you're told, well, you're wrong. Well, <laughs> I'm open to all forms of speculation, mm -hmm. every one of them. We don't know. But theoretically speaking, one of the things that puzzled me about the greys was their ability to move through our solid um you know walls mm. how they're able to bring a person into their field frequency <laughs> of awareness i wondered whether or not it was possible that the abduction phenomena in some cases seems to mirror the near-death experience although mm. they are separate entirely if you look at the abduction in a lot of cases as well as the near-death experience people who report nde mm -hmm. remove are removed temporarily from their body they go down some kind of tunnel or wherever there is a sense of timelessness and they communicate with masters or loved ones via telepathy there yes. are, and if there is anything wrong with their material body if it's diseased in a lot of cases uh, through the studies when the individual has or the soul of the individual has returned to its uh, physical vehicle uh, they are healed as though there's been some kind of correction with the soul as has been separated temporarily from and within a timeless state and from this physical plane now the abduction scenario seems to mirror this uh, in several ways. And I wondered why it was that these spectres, the greys, were interested in our not only physiology, mm -hmm. but also in terms of reproduction. Now, mm -hmm. why would a species which themselves cannot reproduce, why would they create a new genus, the hybrids? Now, I didn't see any hybrids in my my abduction. I must make that clear. Mm -hmm. I did see the, I did see several greys. <coughs> I think that there are several possibilities, but I think now within the UFO department of studies, we have to now seriously consider alternative theories and not the old stagnant views that has kept us in chains for all these decades because we still don't know what we're dealing with. But... But we have mm. to understand that areas of the psyche, of survival evidence of consciousness, of the mm -hmm. spirit world, of alternative dimensions must now be brought into the fray because it feels to me as though these specters who it's possible that they have cloned themselves out of existence, mm -hmm. um, their birthright. Mm. Right, and right. and this is where a great deal of the models of the work that I've been work, um, dealing with has been addressing these issues. And as I said, they are merely theoretical in content. It does not state that this is what they are because, you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. within the UFO Department of Studies, there are many who will have their own ideas. But I mm -hmm. always say be very careful because we have to be open to all forms of speculation. I completely agree with you. I love your perception on all of that because it just falls into the fact that people believe, many people believe, you know, we say extraterrestrial. A lot of people believe that they're already here or that they're dimensional or, mm -hmm. you know, um, but there's, there, let's face it. I mean, us from the future, I can see that. I can see yes. that. 
And um, I mean, that's, that's a real big one. I've, I've leaned to that one personally. Like I have yes. no fear of them. Uh, mind you, if I started, you know, going into regression and getting some memories, I might get a little volatile about it, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I think that the ancients, I mean, let, let's just face it. The ancients emulate, you know, you look at petroglyphs and things like that. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot with the greys. There's tombs that have been found. There's just all kinds of information there. So we know they were a part of our past. You know, yes. why is it, why is it, and where do you think that it changed where people in ancient civilizations were quite comfortable being around them enough to emulate them and, and talk about them um, and build things to them? And if they're going to put them in a tomb, like in you know in Egypt where they've found one or two. Yes. Why why would they revere them so much to go to that trouble? And then all of a sudden, you know, our civilization's like yeah. Yes. Well I yeah, I think that a lot of that has to do with control from above. And I think that we're yeah. finding that already with regards to um without going into too much detail yes, because of course. we will be here for months now, talking oh, about yeah. this fascinating subject. That, but that's okay, Philip, those... you can come back many times. <laughs> <laughs> there, there seems to be a systematic control, a suppression of knowledge and information, yes. and this is deliberate in order to subjugate our species. Now, it's interesting because going into the antedevillian cultures, most definitely, yes. I am and always have believed that we were the infusion of some type of extraterrestrial modification. Agreed. That much I believe. Yes. And, and I think that there are varied... Um, models of extraterrestrials as there are and have been varied models of man Mm -hmm. now what's interesting your question about us from the future absolutely there's every possibility distinct possibility that we evolve beyond the level of the hominid of what we represent today Mm -hmm. and for all good reasons because as a human species that we are today we are very dangerous um and and Mm -hmm. i think and feel this is why the the system that we serve that not always in our best interests is now keen to know everything about what's what we're thinking what we're doing the greys seem to operate as a one hive mind consciousness mm-hmm. we do not and therefore i think this is what makes for us as a very um, unpredictable Um, species. So, you know, do we evolve into a more advanced model of what what we really represent beyond this vehicle that we currently represent? Uh, Is the human model an experiment? I believe so. But Mm -hmm. I think and feel that it's possible that that experiment has failed because of the unpredictable nature of us and and also the fascinating theory of perhaps we could be dealing with a species that is so far removed from our universe they could have actually come from an ultra universe and get this how about this for a thought and this is in my new book that i've just finished that's coming out next year for philip mantle um about the ufos and the greys and areas of high strangers what if that the greys themselves are creating a new species to take the remnants of what we are into another dimension or an area of space or time because we are at the end of our line. They're salvaging what they can get. So again, as I said, I am open to all forms of speculation, but we have to look at all areas. Mm -hmm. And because of our indifference from them, they do not wish to connect with us really on a physical level Mm -hmm. um 
um, but they are interesting. And as a Kathleen Marden, God love her, once said, that did make me laugh. She said to me, you know, there could be a rogue group of greys, rather like some bad mm. cowboys out there, like humans. Sure. So, <laughs> Round <you> know, them up. <laughs> <laughs> so so mm. I, I think in terms of the, the highly speculative nature of the <clears throat> and also Michelle, we have to now bring into, as I said before, many other areas into the fray. People believe that UFOs were physical spacecrafts that were coming from another planet. I'm not doubting that. No, but I'm the sure magnificence, yeah, uh, the magnificence <coughs> of how they can incorporate then space and time, perhaps even light, um, and reconstruct themselves into our reality um, mm -hmm. it is certainly a, an option that's open. I had one person criticizing me saying they are physically nuts and bolts craft. And I said, I am not disputing that. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is that that energy of where it once came from or originally came from has had to adapt mm -hmm. and bring itself down into our reality and therefore go through some kind of composite change you know in terms of its uh, construction mm -hmm. uh, so you know i mean but yes certainly us from the future that is a very good and highly interesting uh, theory and as i said absolutely acceptable i think it blends in a little bit with yours with the respects of clone they maybe cloned themselves out of actual yes. existence i mean if that is the future you know maybe it is coming back and trying to maybe rectify that to a degree because yes. let's face it everybody's all about ai yeah i just want to you know vision myself with on these glasses and i'm going to be in some forest i don't know why not let's walk in the damn forest i'm just <laughs> you know i just have a bit of issues with that that whole thing is it a fearful thing you know yeah absolutely a lot of people also believe gray is essentially ai you know yes. there's that theory and it's like wow yes. ai very much <laughs> even though well you know it's if you everywhere. think about it, Michelle, we are natural beings. We come yes. through the birthing cycle. We bring yes. memories from the other side. Yes. Now, theoretically speaking, if I were to clone you in a laboratory and I created a 10 of you, you are the natural product of spirit. You will, when you return back to source, you will hold all the memories of your past incarnations, perhaps mm -hmm. even future ones. Right. Your clones, however debatable, will yes. only have the memory signature of one life. That's and when right. that dies, Perhaps they are not strong enough for the situation to come back to where we came from. Now, the greys have come as a one mind hive consciousness. They're able to breach our world almost astrally and mm. extract us in much the same way to bring us into their filled frequency of awareness so that communication and interaction can be achieved. Mm -hmm. When people pass to the other side through NDE, they are physically in that realm. Right. And the one they left behind is almost like a former shadow of what they once knew. The same with an abduction. Mm -hmm. When people right. are taking it to their realm, it's real. And the one they left behind is kind of like, it, it, it doesn't seem to exist for that period of time. Mm -hmm. So, and, and also we have to bring in <laughs> areas of spirituality, of consciousness, of interdimensional theory, of future theories. Great. In fact, every theory that you can think of that was so restricted back into the 80s and 90s, I think now, which is wonderful, people like your good self, researchers and explorers like your good self and many other good souls out there are now beginning to understand that there is much more connected with this. But, mm -hmm. but... We have to be careful because we have to try and measure 
what is fantasy and what is fact within terms of the mental processing of the human mind. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I always joke, and I know that we have a good laugh here, but I always say to people, don't worry, when I'm in my 80s, you'll find me in a psychiatric ward. I'll be quite happy there. Trying to oh, still yes, work. my own little world <laughs> in a little fetal position. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm, I just know. A bit, I'm human. It's, you have to, though, because you just don't know which way any of this will go. But I know with this show, it, it's like Amelia and I are very... Um, it's very important to us that we provide that platform when, when the show was developed, you know, about three years ago, it was for that reason to be a platform for people such as yourself to come forward and um, put the work out there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important because there are so many different researchers and different theories and some better than others, you know, some of them are very commercialized um, and some of them are a lot more serious and it's just, how else does it really get out there? You know, we have millions of people. How do we not offer a platform? And we're going to Roku, just saying people are going to TV now. There we go. So <laughs> wonderful. This, including this episode, well, is going to be one of the first ones up. <laughs> so, <laughs> bless you. But you know, it works both ways. I think we're all important, and this is the one one um, area that I've <clears throat> always understood that we all help and connect with one another. In the world of spirituality, in the world of yes. ufology, you'll have differences of opinions. But if you are true to yourself and you mm -hmm. are respectful of others, even though a lot of people may, you know, rub you up the wrong way, mm -hmm. um, I always say that, you know, I. I am not here to challenge anyone. I have an open mind mm -hmm. and I am more than, uh, you know, willing to talk and discuss about any fascinating area mm -hmm. that uh, others would consider, you know, mute. But I yes. am very much up for a, you know, a intellectual challenge, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it doesn't make me clever. I attribute a lot of my work to my fellow researchers, not just here in the UK, but also in the United States of America, the likes of Earl Grey Anderson, Kathleen Marden, yes. um, you know, Peter Robbins, mm. uh, oh, Dr. Irina Scott, there are so many. Oh, and I, I think it's been wonderful, on, yes. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. She's wonderful soul. Yes. And I think that that connection with all of us is what makes us like a family. So yes. I always see it like a little family. Well, a rather big family, actually. But... Pretty much, yes, yes. But but that, I, I love it. I just love it. It's just a gathering of the minds. And everybody, yes, you know, right. you, you bounce your ideas around. And, and it's fascinating to see what comes up. So I'm yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm sure. I'm sure you're going to be, you know, uh, as I say, a repeat offender on the show. <laughs> Just going to oh, shake you. a few people up. Yeah. But this is uh, good. I love it. Um, so we, we talk about the grays. <clears throat> um, we do have, of course, you know, I know with, with our um, retired and now deceased, you know, sadly, Paul Hillier had mentioned, you know, our defense minister in Canada. We stream out of New Orleans. I'm actually Canadian. Just saying so. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but he had mentioned, um, you know, knowing about many different races of beings. Of course, that was hidden from the rest of, of you know, the country or, or the world. This is something that only military or high levels of government seem to be made privy to. Do you believe that we deal with a lot of different races that you know of in your studies? Have you come across that? Well, as for Paul Hellier, I was very honoured to have had some small contact with him. And not yeah. long before he sadly passed mm. to the other side, I did send him a, my theoretical <laughs> model with regards to the uh, um, you know, abduction hypothesis. 
With regards to the many species of aliens, one of the things I found very puzzling was the fact that they don't seem to reveal themselves openly. No, um, no. Normally, uh, when a individual is having what we call an experience with a UFO, when the UFO comes in, it seems to alter um, you know, both time and space. And then, in some cases... Um, has a real connection or subjugates the individual on a psychic level where interaction is then made possible. Mm -hmm. um, so I think and feel that for me to begin with, it was very hard for me to accept that we had reptilians and we had greys, although I accept the greys, but not quite in the way that we would imagine them or Hollywood has envisioned them. Right. I think we're dealing with a species that's able to um, alter time and space and manifest themselves when and where they want. Yes, um, it's a bit intrusive. Through, yes, through central points of time. And also perhaps linking into the very core, the essence of the individual's mindset, coming mm. in through the psychic realm, uh, the, the pure consciousness of the individual, not the physical vehicle um, mm -hmm. that keeps on this plane. So with regards to these species, I'm not so sure. I have ask that question myself michelle you 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 ask a very good question is this only privy to the military establishments and we've heard stories of these uh, underground bases and tunnels and mm. some people coming forward as witnesses saying they've seen the reptilians or whatever mm. but we they've never been forthcoming and right. i think and feel that the objects the ufos are unquestionably real they are there they're here but the occupants are very elusive so we're not sure. I do remember one um, tale. Um, well, it was an experience that a guy in an army barracks had here in England, and it was all done through um, Paul Sinclair and his mate as well, who, does, who does a lot of filming um, on one of the series called you, you Don't Mention the Reptilians. <laughs> and there was a guy that saw a reptilian that was actually camouflaged like the predator from the film The Predator. Okay, see, um, I've seen things like that. I just don't yeah. know what that camouflage is. <laughs> yeah, so, well. That iridescent sort of <laughs> translucent yeah. thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. we don't know. I mean, this is yeah. why I think we look into the interdimensional hypothesis, but I do believe firmly that mm -hmm. many of them could be walking around us and we wouldn't even notice it. We wouldn't even recognize them. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. I am totally on board with that just because some of the experiences I've had. I've oh. had some of the most ridiculous experiences and I'm very public about it because I'm thinking, you know, everybody says you should be public about those things because I've, you know, I've been in television for about 20 years and they're like, people will listen and you should talk. I'm just like, sound like a freaking cuckoo bird though, but okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know but i do it and i just find more and more people gravitate to me and say because i've only really come public with that in the last two years three years and now i've got all these people gravitating towards me and they're like no you know i understand them so it's like okay so i'm not totally cuckoo for cocoa puffs no, so it's no, pretty no, much right in there is. okay but it, it is definitely a fascinating um journey and it's fascinating to hear other people um, you know, guests such as yourself, or, you know, sometimes it's the listeners, sometimes it's just people who've seen me on television who message me. And I don't even talk about UFOs. I only do it here on the show. Um, and it's unbelievable how many people now are coming forward because when you have something like this, like this is like a cell phone, um, mm -hmm. it's not so easy to hide. 
experiences mm. anymore. You know, like you can't have the powers that be say, no, it's a weather balloon. Well, I don't think it is because I've got this. But with that also being said, I'm surprised that there are not more surfacing because of devices like this. Do you yeah. find in your research you're finding more or you have people gravitating towards you? Or, you know, with technology, we should be able to just capture them left, right and center. But somehow we're not. Yeah, well, I think personally that the phenomena itself or this singularity has seems to advance to nature. If we go back into the the old times where, you know, we were seeing dirigibles and then, of course, mm -hmm. they turned into ghost rockets and then, of course, into the classic flying saucers and then the triangles. I think the intelligence behind this is morphed continuously. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when you mention about the future, because what we have been seeing is nothing less than the future. Right. In terms of like us flying triangles and trying to get saucers up there, I don't think they've quite matched done that yet, but right. Right. dirigibles most definitely. So, is there some intelligence that's given us a push in the right direction so as to for us to evolve into a more you know technological species? My brother mm -hmm. suggests that perhaps even that the crashes or the varied crashes that are, are in isolated areas, no doubt. My brother <laughs> believes it's written about that perhaps that these intelligences have deliberately downed their craft in order for us to find the technology and reverse that, okay, thus bringing us into that. an AI technological world. I could actually see that. We should bring you guys on a show together. It would be a lot of fun <laughs> to have a collaboration. Oh, yeah, seriously. That would be a lot of fun. But I, I can see that. <clears throat> I mean, how many of these crafts that we see are not engineered crafts? There's some well, researchers yeah. out there who don't believe that we're seeing as many actual, you know, alien crafts as we are reverse engineered crafts. Because if we factor mm -hmm. in all the, you know, the governments in the world, everybody's got their hand in it. Right? Even, even if only half did, <laughs> that's still a pretty big <laughs> odds, you know, um, which would lend to you know, Ron's theory a little bit as well. Um, so I don't know. It's... it's yeah, I think also that um, the phenomena is very intelligent. I think, you know, it secretes itself. So where are the aliens? My, one of the articles I wrote not so long ago is, where are they? I mean, we know they're here, we know they're mm. around, but we can't film them, we can't capture them. <coughs> there are a lot of dubious films, unfortunately, on YouTube, sadly mm. enough. Um, but it is fascinating because, you know, I I believe that they are with us and among us, but they have advanced as well mm -hmm. in terms of secreting themselves away from us because they know that if they are revealed, we would just tear them apart. And we would, literally. Um, it's you know, true. All, We're a really uh, volatile race of yeah. beings, aren't we? Yeah, and that's why you, you will understand that UFOs are not always in close proximity to the individual. Mm -hmm. And normally contact is is done on a kind of safeguarded level yes. where the, the subject is immobilized. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that this says a lot. Um, but mm -hmm. however, you know, whichever way you look at this, rightfully or wrongfully, they obviously have their agenda. But we as a species, not you and I, but mm -hmm. many of those at the top have their own agenda as well. And there could be a war, or I love the X-Files, when they said a silent war mm -hmm. occurring that, that, that the masses yeah. are not aware of because those at the top are very clever in, mm. in turning the finger of doubt upon the inquiring mind and making it into something that it is not. Right. So, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of aspects that need to be covered, but the clarity, and there is no clarity because it's so unclear, and that's how the system likes it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it doesn't want us to see transparency.
No, that's true. It's true. Which brings us, <clears throat> of course, uh, to Sky Crash. Oh, yes. Da, yes, da, Sky da. Crash. I know. <laughs> oh, controversial. Drum rolled. I know. Yes. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I was just, I didn't even know where to start when I just got reading it all. Because Rendlesham, to me, has always been fascinating. Always. There's yes. just There's just so much. I think you know, much like this side of the world being Roswell, I think that's where a lot of things change with Roswell, with not only awareness to a degree on a different level, but the level of control. And for you guys, it was Rendlesham. Yes. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the incident oh. itself or do you want to just jump? Like, I'm just going to let you take it because yeah. there's so much information. I want to make sure we get as much out as possible. Yeah. So. Well, I remembered I was a young lad when I read that they'd released the uh, information that American military troops had come into contact with an unknown craft. And I remembered I was a young lad in a field reading that, amazed, completely shocked, mm -hmm. not realizing that synchronicity was about to play many years later. We all know about Rendlesham. We know about the 1980 event with the uh, the events over the Christmas period, the three-night period with mm -hmm. Colonel Charles Holt. I have met him, had dinner with him um, mm -hmm. and with my brother. He is a fine, sharp gentleman. I'm mm -hmm. not going to go too much into the details of what happened to them because that's been done to death. Jim Penniston is another lovely guy. I've been in contact with him. Um, but fast forward, um, I belong to UFO group um, after 1996 when I had my article published in Alien Encounters mm -hmm. um, or around about that time. And then we met Peter Robbins and he said to me and my brother and Susan, the good friend of ours, you've got to go to Rendlesham. You've got to go there and check it out. There's still a lot of strange activity happening out there. And so we did. And mm -hmm. since that period of time, um, since the mid um, 90s through to 2000, we did our research there. Now, this is where it gets really spooky. When the events of um, Rendlesham were released, there were three ladies who wrote a book originally on the on the case called mm -hmm. Sky Crash, a Cosmic Conspiracy that had been originally published by Neville Spearman in 1984. This blew open the lid to what was going on or had gone on at the base. Although, of course, like Roswell and other uh, UFO mm -hmm. counterparts, things change with new information or information that should not have been, uh, you know, added <laughs> rather <Right>. dubiously. <laughs> right. So they wrote this book and one of the authors was Brenda Butler. And when Susan, Molly and I had gone up to the forest, which is roughly around about a two hour drive from where we live here in Bedfordshire, not too far really, it's only a two hour drive. Um, I remember getting out of the car um, in the beautiful forest and we saw the base and everything and it was all, it's not used anymore. And I said, I'd really like to meet Brenda Butler, not knowing where she was in the world. And when we did our exploits into the forest, we saw all this flashing of lights coming from the copes within the, the one of the forest areas. And I thought, like, mm. is that a UFO? Mm. And of course, we realized that it wasn't. But as we got closer, we saw this gentleman and this lady and this big white German shepherd that were playing some music and using uh, cameras to, you know, capture some images. So we walked past them and the lady was quite, you know, hello, you know, like this, hello. They're not sure what we were about. Mm -hmm. And I had this intense feeling to go back and speak to her. And when I did, I said, are you looking for the orbs? And the lady got up and said, yes. And she said, why? And I said, well, I was rather hoping I would meet Brenda Butler. She said, my dear, I am Brenda Butler. What are the chances so that, of that? Synchronicities. Yeah. I don't believe in yeah. coincidence. 
but the forest itself, um, when we had uh, made acquaintance with Brenda and her good, uh, her good friend, uh, her male friend, they showed us on camera, uh, video camera, this image of a grey, and they caught it, and it looked like it was camouflaged and moving through the forest. And they kept replaying and replaying it. I'm thinking to myself, well, why isn't this type of thing not on TV? You don't see this on TV. And they were very blasé about it. But of course, what I found out later was that Brenda is actually, Brenda Butler is actually the guardian of the forest. Not only was she the author of, uh, co-author, I, I should say, to Sky mm. Crash and Cosmic Conspiracy, but also uh had been in that area for years wow. and she was no stranger to ufo activity and strange paranormal activity happening before and well after the 1980 event that occurred at rendlesham wow. <clears throat> so i you know and through our investigations and i can assure you my goodness me one of them for me my brother and susan was so astonishing in detail with regards to the the summoning of a UFO that happened on the 8th of June, 1998, at exactly 10.15 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. And within the area called <coughs> Capel Green, which is just outside the forest, that was incredible. We, we, I mean, we had so many strange experiences, but the experiment itself clarified to a degree some form of conscious interaction from the these intelligences beyond our realm. Mm -hmm. So... It gets even stranger, Michelle, because when I connected with Brenda and we would go and do our vigils and, you know, we would talk, you you seem, you have to earn someone's trust, you see. Of course. And she, I said, well, why don't we team up and write a book about the stuff that you've experienced and what you've you've gone through? And she thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. And she gave me a big, thick about that big, thick book, well, a manuscript, really, all handwritten and um, with lots of illustrations. And so I found myself wading through that. Now, I know that people will say, well, hang on a minute. You know, Rendlesham is more to do with the American military troops. God loved them back in 1980 at, uh, you know, Bent Waters and Woodbridge. Um how can anything else be a part of that? Well, it has been, and this is something that a lot of the public were not aware of. And when you spoke about reptilians, I have to state for the record that absolutely intriguingly, I discovered that Brenda Butler had actually befriended one. Now, before anyone rolls their eyes in disbelief or shock or horror, let me just make uh, something very clear. When I started investigating this and speaking to not all of the witnesses, because some of them have been deceased, but a lot of the other people, let me tell you that what they were telling me was the God's honest truth. Brenda Butler, well after the 1980 event and just prior to her book being published, Sky Crash and Cosmic Conspiracy with British ufologist Jenny Randalls and Dot Street, she um, was summoned to her friend's house, Dot, who was very scared um, because she had a gentleman there by the name of David Daniels who could seem to just walk, just hear from one room and then to another. And Brenda thought that she was joking until she had driven the 35 miles or so there to go and see her. 
and realized that this gentleman did seem to have these strange powers. Mm. He was a tall chap, um, I suppose for Mel, he, he was very handsome, crew cut haircut. <coughs> he had a long uh, leather jacket on, smartly dressed, and was very cool and calm within his composition. Mm. So this then led into a whole plethora of complexity where this David Daniels not only befriended Brenda Butler and revealed his true form to her, mm -hmm. but also started to connect with higher officials not and also, sorry, within our own British government and other top senior ufologists, not only here in England, but also in the United States of America and Australia. So wow. This and, and there's another twist to the tale that that most people don't know is that when I had met Peter Robbins with my brother and Susan, and he had told us to go and check it out and see Rendlesham for ourselves, we had gone there on one occasion in a mini minibus group with a lot of other people within our UFO group. It was Beams, the British Earth and Aero Mystery Society. Um, I'm not affiliated with them anymore, but I was linked with them at that time. And we'd done a sky crash. This was well after the events of um, 1980 and of Brenda's subsequent meeting with his reptilian. We had gone to this sky watch in Rendlesham and we had stopped off in a pub, not to have drinks because you don't drink when you're sky watching. That wouldn't, uh, you'll see more stars than you shouldn't. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but we had had a meal and something to drink and this man approached us. Mm -hmm. And uh, this man seemed to fit the very description of this David Daniels because he his arm changed to plastic. Bonnie and Susan saw that, and he wouldn't leave us alone. It's almost as if he was reading our minds. And although we weren't successful in the Skywatch that night, every single person in that minibus was talking about this man who called himself then Joseph. Mm -hmm. So was he one of the same? We don't know. But the similarities are remarkably very, very close. But this David Daniels um, not only um, infiltrated the top ufologists of the world at that time, but he also had a meeting with Brenda with uh, Lord Admiral Hill Norton uh, in the House of uh, Lords, where Brenda had been present with uh, David Daniels and David Daniels had been speaking to Lord Admiral Hill Norton about his plight of his people in the Pleiades and the issues that they had. And Lord Admiral Hill Norton was replying back to him in a very comfortable mm. manner, discussing as though they, he knew something all along. And um, also David Daniels had uh, connected with uh, former Ministry of Defense uh, personnel, um, Ralph Noyes, who then went on to write a book called A Secret Prophet. And David Daniels had, and I've seen the emails, I've seen the letters, he had brought forth in front of Ralph Noyes in London on a bridge not far from some studios, three UFOs in triangular formation, <laughs> three of them. And the, what's really interesting, <coughs> Michelle, is that mine and my brother's last viewing of UFOs and has been well documented and also filmed by, by, my, by my niece, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. had been on the 9th of April 2016 at precisely 11.15 p.m. at night, where these three lights, massive lights hanging above our house in a triangular formation mm -hmm. were there. They did a strange maneuver. So when you look 
when you start looking at like your life or whoever's life and they start to have these experiences, you then find a little bit later that there seems to be some elements of synchronicity which seems to connect with them. Right, and this right. appeared to be the case when we were writing Sky Crash throughout time. We had to change the subtitle because the book had originally been published by Kappelbaum Publishing Limited uh, here in England in 2013. And the subtitle, which was called A Continual Investigation into the Rundstrom UFO Mystery, didn't fare very well right. because everyone assumed that it was all about the 1980 events. So Philip Mantle said, it's okay, let's change the subtitle into the reptilian man and the rest of it. <coughs> so if anyone out there does not <coughs> believe what I'm saying, may I please respectfully state that when you are in the nest of that activity, when you have gone and you have seen the research, I mean, Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens in America was uh, infiltrated by Father Daniels, who had seen him there. Um, you know, this is real. This really happened. We're not talking about some fantasy-based story. These individuals met. But we don't know what David Daniels really wanted. We knew that the FBI, the CIA, mm -hmm. and also Scotland Yard here in England, um, along with um, the uh, <coughs> SOS, wanted him. And they tried to tell Brenda through telephone calls that David Daniels had murdered someone here in England, in London. But we, wow. we found out that there was no report of a, of a murder at all. It was their cue to try and track him and to get him. Right. So it's, you know, Michelle, when you go down that rabbit hole, my goodness me, you go down that rabbit you hole. You do. You do. And it's amazing what's always down there waiting. <laughs> so yes. I, what I find curious is, you know, this connection that Brenda had with him, all mm. of a sudden he starts to infiltrate those around her yes. as, as well. Um, that seems to be something that, that does occur. So that's, that's just validation for you because, you know, how many people or stories have you heard in all your years of research where people are um, saying, yes, I had this experience, and all of a sudden people they know start having that experience. I can vouch for that in my own uh, situation. So hitchhiker effect. Okay, perfect. I'm glad it has a name. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and also the right. other fact is that this David Daniels could read minds. Now, what's interesting, and I, I forgot to mention here that people will say, well, how did we know that he was a reptilian? Well, he actually revealed himself to Brenda in his true form. And Brenda Butler is one of the most down to earth grounded ladies you can ever meet. I mean, she's very right. strong. Um, and she accepted what she saw. In fact, she was so stunned by what she saw. And when David had been staying with Dot at this particular time, when, when Brenda had first met him, it was decided that he could come and stay with Brenda on her property, but she didn't have room in her little house. <coughs> he stayed in a caravan. Now, this guy didn't wash, didn't seem to eat any of the foods we ate. Mm. He was always clean shaven. There were no amenities inside the caravan for him to do that. And he would never broke into Brenda's house at all. But 
Um, one of the things that was quite humorous that I found from uh, one of Chris, uh, one of Brenda's ex-partners, Chris Pennington, um, was that he had painted this caravan, and when David Daniels had been in there, there was so much intense heat coming from the inside that it started to flake all of the paint on the outside. So, you know, bizarre. Mm. But in terms of, of the collective, yes, Michelle, I agree with you. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But as you quite rightfully mentioned, it's possible that he was meeting these people to read their minds because he could read minds. Mm -hmm. And he demonstrated that over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, that's what shocked a lot of people that came into contact with him. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe he was trying to look for something. He said he was here on a mission um, and had come with some others of his crew. He said that his uh, UFO or spacecraft was hidden somewhere and that his uh, that more people would come which they did i mean there was two there was uh, several females that did meet up with brenda and and started going on about this story about them coming from the pleiades and and, and all the rest of it and that their, their people were in plight that they were dying and that they needed help um mm. but we're not sure what became of david daniels at the end he just seemed to disappear but there again <coughs> We feel that we had met the same person Just many years yeah, correct, yes. by the name of Joseph. See, my, my question with that is, um, you know, are we dealing with you know, an individual from the Pleiades who's shape-shifting to reptilian? We know reptilians can shape-shift. So are, they, are we dealing with a reptilian individual who is shape-shifting as a Pleiadian? Mm, yes, we don't know. Well, because you, be, I think you'd be looking at two different agendas. See, yes. again, the whole reptilian, that's where people get funky. Um, you know, Joe, um, our producer, owns one of the largest contactee abductee sites in the world. Almost 95,000 people come to him and just tell their stories. Um, mm -hmm. It's a website. You know, everything's out there. People can go and look. Um, some people have come forward and said they've had some of the best experiences with reptilians. They find them to just be very gentle, very forthcoming. Then you have the other side of the coin. It's like, yeah, nope. <laughs> just, yes. You know, they don't feel the same way at all. Like, like it, it's mm. sort of, of, of terrifying um, yes. experiences for them. And they're affiliated with some of the greys who give them terrifying experiences. Yes. So in your opinion, do you even know who you were really dealing with? Well, I am as honest as they come, Michelle. No, oh, I, we don't have an IO2. What yeah, we do know, yeah. however, is that he, David Daniels, had uh, met with some of Brenda's friends. Right. And <clears throat> these friends had been involved in a very famous UFO case. Um, was it the uh, Avery UFO case? Something like that. Well, anyway, John Day, one of the main contactees within this UFO case that was very famous here in England, did not get on with David Daniels when they met. And this this row, this argument ensued about them both recognizing each other from past lives, oh, from, other, from other star systems. This is not science fiction. This is what oh, happened. That's crazy. Brenda, could not, <laughs> so, yeah, Brenda yeah. could not understand what was going on, and she had never seen David Daniels in such a state. But it appeared mm -hmm. that this guy, John Day, who's mm -hmm. like your regular guy that had this UFO right. experience and with his family, 
and right. it was well documented. Immediately upon David Dennels, they just did. They it's almost as if they would have, would have killed one another because they were sworn enemies from two different factions, from two different species, mm-hmm. from a world not here. So you know. Right. You know, if anyone knows the, the you know what's going on there, I mean, I understand about past lives, not sure. just here on on this planet, but other dimensions of reality. Of yes. course, it's possible. Yes. Yes. You know, but this was intriguing. So we're not really sure, Michelle. Well, it's interesting to me because Dot was very uncomfortable with him. Yeah, oh, Brenda yes. seemed to be very at ease and curious and calm, but Dot's like not having it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you know, Brenda's very grounded. She will talk yeah. to anyone. I mean, you know, you get some people in life. and But one of the interesting details, and that's quite, you're quite right, is that everyone else who met this David Daniels, and I mean there was a lot of them, mm-hmm. didn't like him. There was an uncomfortable layer. I think Ralph Noyes, the, uh, the uh, guy who was linked with the MOD, mm-hmm. he kind of like understood him. I don't think that he fully understood him, but he accepted him as he was. But it is fascinating, I think, that, mm-hmm. you know, when we think about this and when we mentioned earlier about um, extraterrestrials walking among, among us, mm-hmm. I have always believed that because you never know, you know, who you're dealing with. Uh, by the by, the way, I don't have a zip anywhere, Michelle. Um, right. You know, I'm in a... <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't know who we're dealing with or, or right. where they come from, but it right. is one of the most extraordinary. I thought when we were writing this book, I thought, my goodness me, I don't know how on earth we are going to be taken seriously with this. But the drive towards it was because of the witness testimony and, of of course, of the emails and letters and responses that had been recorded. Mm -hmm. And this is something, I mean, you're talking about some of the top ufologists in our world that he had infiltrated. And, um, And there was another member within the Ministry of Defense, that I will just stay here. I'm not going to mention right. who it was. No, that's okay. That's okay. But, and it's not like, oh, I'm I'm out to score points. I'm as grounded as they come. Right. But this guy said to me, in Arizona, when I was there, not about Sky Crash, our book, you know, mm-hmm. that had come out from Kappelbaum Publishing Limited then, mm-hmm. but said that now David Daniels, now that was an interesting case, wasn't it, Philip? And I thought, Wow, if that isn't confirmation for something, but would not allude onwards. When I begged and I wanted, but tell me, nothing, tell me, yeah, yeah, no, nothing wow. at all. It's like the X Files. <clears throat> what makes you wonder? Is he shape shifting into this gentleman and just how'd you like that? Here I am, and you don't know. <laughs> I look at the like the flip side of every coin. I'm funny like that, but it's like I don't know. You know, it it is interesting in all the different. Um, you know, the different people that are coming out now and they're feeling comfortable about talking about it. Like even with Brenda, like when she worked, you know, and started talking to people just about Rendlesham and other things, she got really overwhelmed with people yes. reaching out to her, didn't she? Like it, yes, just, she did. like the floodgates opened. I mean, she was she was documenting orbs and lights phenomena, UFOs there, yeah. um, you know, these uh, cryptozoology um, wow. in that department, you know. And I think, and Phil, this started to make me aware, even with uh, another brilliant UFO researcher here in England, Paul Sinclair, a dear friend of ours, mm-hmm. who's done a lot of work on um, on UFOs and levels of high strangers, especially with the uh, dogman. Oh, Yes. Find that there are centralized areas, core areas where contact 
with these UFOs seems to promote these levels of high strangeness. And this is where now I've been taking my research, such as it is, into these new areas of contemplation, uh, portals, interdimensional openings. Yes. One things that people once considered as, uh, you know, poo-poo, are now taking very seriously because yes. we understand, and I have always accepted gateways or stargates yes. as a way for uh, not only interdimensionals to come through, but also in, in terms of the ancients and with regards to the soul. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's power spots all over this planet. Oh, yes. You, you know is... somebody would have figured out how to use them by now. Well, you I know. think the system we serve, Michelle, has done its damnedest to subjugate yes. the subject. I will yes. just state here, in terms of disclosure, forget it. I think at the moment, the way that I see it is mm. those echelons at the top kind of have some idea of what we're dealing with, but cannot tell the public because they have forcibly programmed the public into a docile way of thinking. Thankfully, not you or me or many mm -hmm. other people who are woken souls, mm -hmm. but a lot of people won't be able to deal with it. Oh, by the way, there are intelligences that can just open a portal and come through and that we're, we've lied about uh, hum humanity's past. We've lied about the history of most of what's been going on, mm -hmm. but we still want to pull the wool over your eyes and you know, they, they have to concede at some point because, again, with I mean, maybe this is why they're working so hard on censorship because people now are able to visit these places with petroglyphs and and mm -hmm. go these monuments in Peru and they're seeing things for themselves, they're researching it for themselves. But then you have your theories that, oh no, the military allowed this, you know, the, for in exchange for technology or the governments, you know, in exchange, and there's a lot of it with the United States, you know, yeah, that oh, means yeah. they would have to come forward and say, yeah, we allowed it. Well, they're not going to do that either. If that is indeed a thing, everything is speculation at this point. You know, there's always one side to every story and whatever's the oh, truth yes. in the middle. Right. So, yes. but you know, so so they have to admit, yes, we've known about it. Yes, we've kept you in the dark. Yes, we've changed your history. Um, you know, we've tried to dumb you up by giving you fluoride <laughs> in your water. You know, yeah. just like, I mean, the list goes on. You could go on and on and on. But um, I think at some point, you know, if you want to regain any sort of credibility and say, okay, we don't feel a good degree of the public is ready for this, but maybe it would be a good opportunity to start preparing people with baby steps on how to be, oh, yes. Yes. you know, take advantage of it. You're coming out now, yeah. at least you're, you're saying disclosure. Okay. Now we want to hear your stories. Now we want to hear our military or our air force. We want to hear your story without it backlashing on you. Um, I mean, some of the other countries in the world have been doing this for ages. You oh know? yes. Absolutely. Um, so now you have other countries coming on board saying, like the U.S. being one of the last, saying, okay, we're good now. NASA's is involved, saying, yep, we got program going on. You know, it's just like China's like, yeah, we got a program going on. It's yes. becoming a thing. Why yep. not? Or I'll pose it as a question. How do you feel would be the best way? Like due diligence to me would be let's educate our people even in baby absolutely. steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there would there should be some kind of educational program imposed by the system to inform the public yes. um, of what's really been going on. I just think myself personally, when you have had experiences 
when you are touched by this singularity, you find that there's an opening in the conscious level of awareness. It's almost as if the singularity has opened your mind to other concepts. And I think that because like people like yourself and myself and many other good souls out there are opening to the fact that, you know, we have to come out of this darkness. Our species are on the brink of destruction and mm. not by yours or my hand, by people, mm. petty people who can't, you know, they, they've got an argument going and they can't deal with it. Mm. No, no, no. You Ego. can't. Yes, Ego. right. Yeah. But I think, and Phil, you're right. I think some kind of educational program to re-undo the uh, history and, mm -hmm. you know, not rewrite it, but say it as it was. I mean, if you go back to the past and to the ancient Sumerian, you know, and, and uh, Akkadian texts and all that yes. type of thing, you'll yes. find, as you know, that, you know, the cradle of life appears to show that we have been uh, the, cre the um, created by extraterrestrials, what we would call extraterrestrials, but were we would see as gods. Yes. Um, and it's interesting when you said that, you know, in certain epochs, things seem to go awry. We seem to go backwards. And yes. then a lot of that information or um, forbidden knowledge has been secreted from us. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to another stage within our human evolution where, once again, we are now moving into a radical <coughs> technological age, mm -hmm. which makes it far easier to control human perception. So I agree with you. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, where I know that this is going a little bit beyond. No, that's Skype, OK. Actually. We like that when that happens. We, we eventually yeah. make our way back. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I think we're all trying to do that, Michelle, and trying to mm -hmm. get ourselves back to where we started yes. in terms of the very beginning of, of all that is. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that one of the things I'm very blessed with and very fascinated with is meeting these extraordinary souls and, um, you know, and who have had also their own unique experiences, as you you yourself mm -hmm. have done, Michelle, and all mm -hmm. the other people, the you know, the <coughs> many, many people that are connected with you mm -hmm. and affiliated with you. Uh, I think that when you start looking into something, and this is what I did with Sky Crash, and you start to really dig, not just taking something at face value, but researching it, mm -hmm. which I would do anyway, right. it was fascinating. But I still thought to myself, well, most people would throw that book to the wall because all they want is the original 1980 event. But right. we right. had also, um, Susan, Rod, and I, been hassled by military helicopters when we were doing our experiments in the forest, coming mm -hmm. down at low level, just above the trees, to flush us, try and flush us out of the forest. And I must state here that the forest is not restricted for the public, but these military helicopters would come down, even to the point where, in it's all in Sky Crash, where we had um, Susan and I, that is, Ronnie didn't come with us at this point, been in this field area and there was light activity coming to the left and there was a military helicopter that was coming down to the ground and I remembered my stomach dropping because I thought my god you can see the pilots are they going to come out and arrest us we hadn't done anything wrong but we're trying to show them the light mm -hmm. over there but they weren't interested they were just hovering looking at us so how would they know if it's not a restricted area how would they know, know you guys are subjects of interest. Well, I don't know. And, and even right? to the point, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and as God is my witness, yeah. 
um, there was another point where we set up base, which was not far from Capel Green, where a lot of activity seemed to occur. Susan, Ronnie, and myself were there again. We were called the Scooby-Doo gang, although we needed a few mm -hmm. more to make up that gang. But <laughs> when we had left our blanket, we normally leave a blanket on the ground to put our, you know, bags on, you know, your rucksacks. We right, had carried right, coffee, right. And, coffee and sandwiches. I used to smoke then, so we used to have a fag outside. Right. Uh, well, it was outside. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. You know, have a fag. But yes. on this occasion, we had left that blanket and took our rucksacks for no more than 20 minutes. When we had come back, uh, a very disturbing event had started to unfold because someone or perhaps something had left on the, the um, blanket, on it, a dead rat and a dead ra rabbit and in a perfect circle so that the, the tail of the rabbit was on the rat's nose so it was in a circle they were dead they were fresh that mm. was disturbing that... someone had been there in less than 20 minutes and placed them there killed them mm. and placed them they were fresh That's terrible we don't That's know if terrible. there was some kind of symbology associated with it or mm. we realized at that point that we were being watched but we don't know why we were with three relatively unimportant individuals exactly. just you know anyone would not even realize what we were doing mm -hmm. you know why we don't know a lot of strange things happened there michelle really bizarre mm, exactly that i mean the fact that this is an unrestricted area anybody and everybody can go there and all of oh, a sudden yes. you've got a black ops helicopter right over your head yeah you know, and on, on more Trying than one occasion Yes, yeah. and trying to deter you from the area. Yes. That would lead me to think just, you know, and not even knowing anything about, let's say, UFOs or Rendlesham or anything like that. That would lead me to think that there's something there they don't want you to see. Yes, and as I said, these areas promote levels of high strangeness. We sure. even realized that there was rumbling coming from beneath the ground. Um, oh. oh, yes. Oh, do, yes. You think, do you think there would be a base underground? There has been rumor, but yeah, we, that cannot be substantiated. And as I said, you know, right. I've spoken with Siri. some of the researchers. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. Right, right. Well, I, I know we have stories like that up here in some of our large uh, provincial yes. parks. They believe yes. that that's the situation. So it's like, okay. I'll, I'll send you an interesting picture after the show, and I'll explain where it comes from, and you're going to be kind of going. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Um, but it, to me... You know, going back to let's say talking about cryptids, just oh, you know, yes. sidetracking a little bit with high oh, strangeness. Yes. Uh, we had a gentleman on the show, um, you may or may not know him, called Ron Morehouse. And he spent 50 years researching like Bigfoot, hmm. but quantum from a quantum level, because orbs often show up when yes. he's around, UFOs, he just disappears, just like just random footsteps just stop he is totally gone that extra wow. mile with it you you i can connect you if you, if you ever want to you know to talk to somebody about that level because when you mentioned your friend i would love to 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 speak with somebody with the dog man whole that whole incident oh paul um, sinclair oh yes yes, yes. that to me would be fascinating um but he did bigfoot after 50 years of research and and tied in all of these these different things and it makes you wonder it's exactly what you're talking about yes you know? 
And also, if you think about within cryptozoology, especially with regards to the fascinating cases of the dogman, one of the interesting and highly speculative, um, you know, conditions that surround that is that most people report glowing eyes. Yes. Now, we know that any mammal uh, on this planet or any animal does not have glowing eyes. And I have always considered that the phenomena itself um, seems to morph. A lot of people here, uh, as in the case of um, some areas of your amazing national forests out there where a lot of mysterious activity occurs, um, mm. I've read and read and read a lot of cases where sounds are heard before the arrival of these beasts. And yes. that the fear that is felt from them is incredible. Not always, not in all cases with the mm. with the uh, Sasquatch, but right. certainly with the Dogman. Right. And I think, statistically speaking, I think we might be dealing with something that is and could be a shapeshifter or as well as interdimensional. So whether or not they are a species mm-hmm. unto themselves or that they are appearing as some mm-hmm. kind of ancient folklore to get through to us. But the question arises, this is the big question. Mm-hmm. What does the Sasquatch and what does the dogman want if they, with us, uh, I'm not just talking about food in some cases, but that right. sounds a bit, a bit grisly, but, you know, mm-hmm. what is it? Is, is the experience there to change the individual? We don't know. Is it a personal thing? I, I don't know. Well, it, if, it, if some beings feed off energy. Oh, yes, um, that's you know, right. Yes, you know, I, I mean, there is a strong belief that that some of these beings, um, reptilians also, uh, being one of them, from, from what I've had other researchers say, you know, through interviews and such, um, that it is that fear energy because it amps up that adrenaline. We just like... And that's yes. something that they can they can feed from uh, that. Yes, and I will say that on a lot of the cases that I've been involved yeah. in and have personally witnessed to, mm-hmm. the same thing happened where there's a heightening in that fear, mm-hmm. and you feel it. Your hair stands on the back of your your, yeah. your neck, um, you know, and you you you're it's almost as if you're in that zone. But is it possible that something wants you in that zone because that's what they're connecting with? We don't know, but it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in its construct. And the dogmen themselves have, I must say, I'm sorry, I have a weakness for them. They fascinate me. No, I, I agree with you. We we have them, obviously, out this part of the world as well. In Canada, some people call them wolf people. Mm. And there's two different types, um, which leads people to believe that maybe one could be considered a... Um, oh, what am I trying to think of here? Skinwalker type? Yes. Because they're... Yes. They're very tall and lanky, and they yes. have these really long noses, and they lope when they run. But they're just haggard looking. But then they'll stop and they'll stand up. Um, mm-hmm. We've had those just up front of the house. <laughs> so, oh. But we have a full fledged uh, dog man not far from here, and it's Niagara Falls area. Wow. And it's called um, uh, Port, the Beast of Port Robinson. And an eyewitness had basically said that she and a friend were chased down a road one night. They were able to get away from it. And then they woke up the next morning and the car had uh, found them. Big claw marks all the way down like the front of the car, the side of the car. Yeah. Yeah. And and this thing is out there. And there's just really funky things like that. 
Yeah, the question is, Michelle, you know, they come in to our physical reality, they physically yes. interact, but then they disappear. Yes. Where That's This is right. the thing, where are they hanging out? People say, you know, some people say, oh, you know, it's some kind of military experiment, you know, as a, as a, a the perfect soldier for, for the warfare, yeah. but I'm not so sure, I, I don't know. I could know. see they were dog man, because they're big muscular looking Oh, things. yes, you wouldn't mess with one of them. No, you know, but these, these, these lanky things, one friend of mine saw it was at a stop sign. Now you think of the pole on the stop sign. It's not very big. Yeah. Okay. Oh. He saw this type of a being standing upright. And yet when he came to turn around the other side, it was gone completely. Oh. Like how do you hide? You, you can't hide behind it. There's like nowhere to go. That's you know? weird, isn't it? It is really weird. And well, this is why we're here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 it fascinates me as well. The first story I ever heard was from a woman. She says, when wow. I was young, um, probably about you know two hours from here, she goes, my grandmother always said, don't go near the forest. They run a farm. She goes, don't go walk along the forest. That's where the wolf people live. And she's like, oh. okay. She goes, when I was about 16, I was walking partway out through the acreage. And, you know, there was like, you know, about 50 acres, whatever, 100 acres. She made her way through like a good chunk of them. She goes, I just spent like the whole morning walking. And then I looked on the edge of the tree line and there were five beings. She was four or five beings. She goes, and they were wolves and they were walking upright. Oh my Lord, that, you know, uh, that would actually have me running the opposite direction, I think. I think that would, even though you'd be fascinated it's, to study and look, but... It's um, true, but, but there just, again. It's folklore. Yeah. Like the grandmother always said, no, they're there. They leave yeah. you alone. Just don't go out there. And it's also oh. a very active area. But, yeah. I, you know, it's always fascinating to me because there's so many different stories of different cryptids. I look at Loch Ness as being another one. They can never find her. They can just like, no, nothing can, nothing in this lock can sustain an animal that big. Probably because it's coming through a portal. I don't know. That's right. Exactly. Flapping around back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> logical explanation, if you ask me. You know, like they're all over the world. You know, like these yeah. these beings just surface up in the water. People see them. People are starting to now get photographs. And, but they're just, then they're just gone. Because you know a lake that size or a lock that size could not sustain them unless it was a way underwater caves let's face it not everything mm -hmm. is explored but mm -hmm. the Loch Ness they've really explored quite a bit they claim there's no tunnels underneath there or there's no way of coming mm -hmm. in from the ocean at least not anymore mm -hmm. you know so I don't know but that that sort of stuff really does fascinate me because if they are dimensional it's it's intriguing because it's mm -hmm. it's why portals why? energy portals yes, it could yes. be a, a disturbance there is also yes. the concept of ufos when they come in is it possible that they are distorting so much of yes. the space and that creates some kind of uh, opening from other portals or dimensional yes. areas that seep through to our realm because a lot of times um when these orbs are seen or ufos are seen uh, there's a lot of uh, you know paranormal activity that occurs that is not in any way linked to the ufo sighting although we assume mm -hmm. but so i think that you know looking at it and where we have within the past in yes. like little boxes, what we're doing now is we're trying to infuse connections between one and the other. And mm -hmm. I think this may offer us perhaps a few golden nuggets in understanding what it is that we could be. Mm -hmm. I understand why Sasquatch, separate, 
dogmen separate, UFO yes. separate. I totally get it. I understand why, because you get the experts. Well, no one's an actual expert. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? an exactly. Yeah. An expert looking into that area mm -hmm. to understand what they're about. And um, and I think that, you know, when you get good, genuine individuals that step forward and tell you, I think it's nothing more than absolutely delicious in nature yes. to, to get all of the facts down and to ponder over what was going on and what happened and, and all the rest of it. And also for the individual, this is something that changes their life forever. Mm -hmm. Oh, forever. You, you don't come back from that. No. Nope. And, and I'm going to leave that hanging for one second. I have to do a sponsor station ID. Um, okay. So for those who are just tuning in, you are listening to The Outer Realm. And I, of course, I'm Michelle Droche. We're here with Philip Kinsella. God, if you guys are just tuning in, go to the archive because you've been missing all the good stuff. We still have a little bit more time left where we'll put in some more juicy stuff for you. Um, we are, again, uh, fully sponsored by Folgers Coffee, who have been with us since day one. Thank you, Folgers. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, Justin Snicker, for your uh, award-winning music that you have loaned to us with your voice for our intro and outro. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis. Um, Big newsflash, guys, find us on Roku, United Public Radio, UFO Paranormal now has a Roku channel. So this is going to be good for all of our listeners, all the millions of people listening. Go check out Roku. And of course, this will be wonderful for our guests. So thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you all so very much. Um, okay, I, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. I want to get to the paranormal. Um, yes, they do blend, don't they? Every, oh, yes. As a paranormal researcher, which is where I basically started, you know, like 20 years ago, just because I've, I've, I've been gifted my whole life. So you just sort of, you fall into it. And they they really go hand in hand because there are many times where I thought, oh, God, I've got this attachment. Something is just sort of always there, you know. But I also started remembering back to my grandfather's fascination with the stars you know, things that were happening to members of my family, um, you know, we're all negative blood types. You know, people say, oh, God, that's alien. I'm like, okay, well, that's all us then. Darn it. Here we go. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> if you fall into to that sort of stuff as well. But um, researching the paranormal, and, and I've helped thousands of people throughout the last 20 years, just, you know, I'm a big believer in mindset, and you can conquer anything, just changing the mindset. And researching and assisting and educating people. And I started finding that at least half of those people who thought they were having what would have been considered just, you know, poltergeist activity. Again, you know, you try to delicately say, okay, how do I do this? And send them a link to psychokinesis. Do you see yourself in this at all? Because, you know, not everything is, is labeled you know, like not everything yeah. is people think it's a demon or a big reptilian. I don't know. But either way, I just started realizing half of those people were contactees, abductees, perhaps experiencers to say like minimal. Um, yes. Yeah. Do you find those yes, connections? Yes, I do. Yeah. It happened to me. I mean, okay. when I when I first had the experience with the UFO, the orb with our maternal grandmother, with my twin brother, Yes. Um, you know, all those years ago, and then finding through memory that things had happened much earlier in our life, right. and then going forward 
to the abduction in 1989 and then to the revelation of the theoretical content, which is theory only in 1996, then going forward then to when going to see a medium that used to work for the FBI in America on cold soul cases who brought my maternal grandmother through and then being involved with the psychic realm for God knows how many years, even still to this day, mm-hmm. there seems to be um, connection links with regards to not just UFOs or aliens as we call them, or cryptids. There is definitely a psychic part, a conscious part, a part of what we call the paranormal. Yes. Now, when mediums see lights around people, I see them. I see them not through peripheral vision, but directly. Right. And I make no bones about it. They come in different colors. We don't know what the colors mean. Right. But UFOs also come with lights, but are more overpowering. So I believe that the the psychic part, those lights are very different from the lights emanating from a UFO. But these lights, these orbs seem to be responsible in opening or creating changes within not mm. only the environment, but also in the configuration of what's coming through them. Right. So, you know, so if I, I have a big blue orb going through my house, what should I be concerned about? Because I, we have paranormal experiences here. House is haunted. And we also have a lot of extraterrestrial experiences here. Yeah. It depends how you feel from it. I think what you get, as we know that in yes. Skid, the very famous Skinwalker Ranch, weren't they the blue lights and the red lights that made, the, that made the people feel yeah. terrible? Yes. And and I think that it depends how you will react because it's energy and your energy and your energy will react to that energy. And if you don't like it, you want to get the hell out of there. Or if you feel that you're very connected with it, this is the thing. What we don't understand, a mm-hmm. lot of people don't understand, is that we are soul consciousness right. operating in a body a right. physical body that's uh, de- that's dependable upon this environment for a certain amount of time it, right. it does lack in some areas unfortunately <laughs> right right well in this um, case it was just wayne going oh i just saw a big blue orb go behind you I'm like yeah. oh but i and i Did still anything come out of it no okay no. <laughs> But I see the lights, <laughs> Michelle, and this is the thing, the, right. the spirit lights. <clears throat> I've yes. seen the UFO lights, but spirit, yes. and it fascinates me because I'm thinking, well, is that an opening? Is that the consciousness of the individual? Mm-hmm. Is this is this some other, uh, you know, dimension? Mm-hmm. Most people will say, oh, I've got it worked out. And I'll say, no, hang on just a minute. You haven't got it worked out. Because even, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's this or it's that. It's good to speculate, but we don't. But it is there. It is there. And and these lights are operating with no electrical switch. They just come in and go out. Yes. Yes. It is fascinating. It is. It is fascinating. Light anomalies, on average, to me, fascinate me. And again, I, I see the connection even with scientists, like with sleep paralysis, you know, the paranormal oh, says, yeah. oh, no, that's the hag syndrome. Science is like, no, 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 no. that's just, this <laughs> yeah. hits you a certain time of your of your life. And then you have the, the abductions and things like that. And then they include, you know, lights. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I, I can't tell you how many times a big flash of light has torn through this house. And that window shake and it goes through the house, pops out the other window. Mm. This house has walls that are three feet thick. And we're just like, huh. Wow. <laughs> wow what the <laughs> heck was that? A train? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've become so like accustomed to it. We found out yes. when this happened one time, the neighbor's house was hit by something. Wow. Caused substantial damage. Wow. So, so we're just like, 
but it, it's like it made it through one house, shot through, came through this house. And yes. we've seen huge lights just go right across the vehicle, right across the road. And you're looking. There's nowhere it could have come mm. from because you have a 400-foot drop into Niagara Falls. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, you know, it's just mm. you, you just become accustomed to seeing the anomalies. But I think it's just a matter of trying to trace where what they are, where they come from. I think also that because we are here on this side of life for a limited period of time, yeah. and our senses are only equipped to see yeah. certain uh, aspects, uh, you know, variations of uh, light spectrum, I think that this is only part of the journey. And I've always argued this. I think that no matter how much we, you know, we want this discovery, we want it to come out to show yes. us, to reveal more yes. about us, to mm -hmm. show that we are not just biological machines with a cell by day, yes. that we have purpose, design, and right. love and connectivity. Right. I think that when we pass from this side to the next, it doesn't mean to say that our eyes will be opened fully, but I think that perhaps on some level, we may have a greater understanding of the reality that we've lived here, but it mm -hmm. is only a very small part of a much larger picture. And these things are coming in and going out, on doing their own things, obviously. And we're like, oh my goodness, what the hell was that? <laughs> right. No, it's true. I know. I think reaction has so much to do with that as well. I think when you're ready, if everything is telepathic, like when you and your brother and your friend went out to, you know, call yeah. out, do this oh, experiment. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people now are calling this the big CE5 movement. Oh, yes. I mean, Russian scientists were doing this in the 70s and 80s, just FYI people. They said, we don't have to go looking for them. We know how to call them. And I thought that was interesting when I researched that and they were they were doing it. And for me, I just remember one night saying, okay, I'm going to be okay with this. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm ready. I said in my mind, I said, I'm ready. Within... I don't know, like less than a week, I had this big, again, another flash of like go through the house, hit, yeah. go through one end of the house, the room, hit the other one, and end up with a gray, like literally right there. Wow. So this is a telepathic. Yes. Right? Is this how it was for you guys? Just yes, kind of we, turning back a little bit? Well, we did an experiment here in Bedford. Um, right. to a psychic experiment after I heard the song by Karen Carpenter calling occupants. And I thought, is no, that possible? That. Yes. Yeah. Is that possible? Yes. So we sat in a circle and yes. we sent out the time and date that we were going. And on the the event itself on the 8th of June, 1998, at precisely 10.15 p.m. at night, we were met with the the presence of a, um, a very extraordinary object. It was more like a, a pyramid with a gap wow. with a circular undercarriage with blue lights around its center, the top yeah. part moving one way, the bottom moving the other. Amazing. There was, yeah, and it made no sound, and I ran towards it. That has been documented in the book, but <sighs> it proved to me that there must have been some kind of interaction from the intelligence yes. in the yes. that had set up this event, to time it, to get us there, and to 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 bring us about. So I I really wanted to see aliens at that point, but there were none. Right. I wanted right. some kind of you know acknowledgement from the object, the craft. But maybe you've seen them before. What about the theory? You know that that gets bounced around that contactees, abductees, experiencers already have. We already have a telepathic link to them. So when we call to them, they they just automatically come. 
I think for my part, there is a little bit of fear, and I'm and I'm very honest, uh, not with the spirit okay. world, no, or but with the, those on the but you with should have the, fear. Your experiences, from what you you said opening the show, were a little bit. I'd oh be yeah, too. but you know, I think that are you? I think for myself, from a lot of what I've I've understood, um, not everything, but what I've understood myself is that we must be very careful what we invoke and what we bring in. Yes, I agree. Um, we have to be very careful, but that's I think for people like um, yourself and myself, I like to take a step back and have a look in, have a peek in, mm. and then explore and examine and study and see what we can find out, and then. Uh, or poke it with some... a stick, basically. Make sure nothing's coming <laughs> making out. Making sure but... it's at quite a good okay. distance as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So a big stick. Okay, we're good. Yes, okay. No, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. I found, though, for myself, when I finally made the decision to say, okay, I'm still uncomfortable. I don't like things coming in. You're supposed to feel safe in your home, in your, in your room. Hmm. That yes. part bothers me. I feel it's a bit intrusive. Um, but yet... You know, like I keep thinking, well, other people get daytime sightings. I can have a damn daytime <laughs> sighting. You know, like I'm sitting at the table saying, okay, here I am, you know. But yeah. I just found that's what all the downloads that you you talk about started happening, all these downloads. I have felt hands on my head at night, you know, and then all of a sudden, mm. you know, the next day I'm researching and I just know stuff and I'm going, okay, that was interesting. And, you know, you can't, you don't quite figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, the, the last sighting of the UFOs on the 9th of April 2016 at precisely 11.15 p.m. Um, was the, the, the triangular formation, which had been a big orchestration of events that occurred. And we had found out just recently that these objects had been tracked down by the Isles of Scilly, moving their way up towards us. They were stationary. They were amazing. Wow. And so, you know, when you, you want something to happen... It, it's very rare that it happens, and that did with the uh, the eighth of June, nineteen ninety eight, one at Rendlesham. Then, right. of course, the ninth of April, two thousand sixteen event itself was not orchestrated by any form of intent from ourselves, right. but was absolutely spectacular. And all of that information is also in you, the public, deceived the grand UFO deception, which has been published right. by Philip Mantle's book, and yes. not because this sky crash was about the the Rendlesham event and that type of thing yes yes well what would you like to see with all of this disclosure and research where would you like to see it go because you, I, you're like neck deep in it so what would make your job a little easier aside from an alien just landing on your house and saying i'm here <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I would have a wonderful dream of like close encounters where we were all there yes. to see and physically touch and reach out to this force to understand that right. would be a dream. But the way that I would like to see disclosure is not so much as disclosure in terms of the way we think it's going to happen, but I just mm. wished, I just prayed and wished that those people that are in the know know would be honest. I wished and prayed that they would come forward and say, look, let's work together. I'll give you a quick example. Yes. Please. I'm part of New Force National UFO Reporting Service here in England. Mm -hmm. My good mate, Nigel Ross, created it. And we I had sent a letter to one of the um, high members within Parliament stating, and I, and I have the letter, a copy of it, let us get together. Let's work together within the UFO Department of Studies. Let's put everything on the table and just work as a team to find out what we're dealing with. Do you know, these people are meant to help us, yeah? Mm, like your think. Senates and within Congress. 
Mm-hmm. Got nothing back. Complete no. silence. You should have wrote to Prince Philip when he was. Oh. Still alive. he was so into this stuff. He, he was probably, much, yeah, yeah, he would have spearheaded it. Well, John Hanson, uh, ex-CID, he wrote. He's wrote Haunted Skies. He used to send a copy of his UFO books to Prince Philip, and he had I love them. That. The prince had them, but um, you know they won't. The royal family wouldn't bless them. God love them. They wouldn't really talk about their no, interests or, or things like that. Of there course. It always like happens when you pass away. Oh, yeah, he was big in it. You're thinking, come on, this would have been really awesome. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it's too late. Damn, I of missed course. the bus. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I love it, though. I love that. Um, do you think we need to worry about false flags and things of that nature? Do you think this will continue on? Or do you think maybe now, finally, that, you know, the world governments, and I, I have to lean on the U.S. since they were like one of the last ones and made a really big federal case out of disclosure. Well, oh, it was yeah. only like a pretend disclosure, but at the end yeah. of this month, we're going to decide if it's a real States. one or not. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, the United States of America is the forefront of technology and yes. also, we understand, it, and was, was yes. the country, the great country that started the ball rolling with regards to this. And we are grateful for that because, yes. you know, um, I think and feel that false flags, I think people are starting to wake up, Michelle. I think they're starting to smell the coffee. I think they're realizing, you know, you can't fool us for much longer. You right. tried it with Roswell. You tried it with all these others. It's mm -hmm. not happening now. Let's work together. Let's work as a unit. I mean, I was uh, very honored to be part of um, within a scientific team, although I'm not a scientist, but with right. Nobel Lorettes and um, a few knights, knighted yes. uh, knights, they, you know, talking about this, about disclosure, and uh, the phenomenal reaction that would occur uh, if, if our peoples, those at the top, those in the know, if they do know that those that have the power to help us, right. it was incredible. And right. bringing people together, I think, you know, people say, oh, people are going to scream and yell and shout and be afraid. No, I think the opposite is going to happen. I think people might just mm -hmm. think, some of them might just roll their eyes and say, oh, well, you know, get on with it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and I really do, because, you know, if there's been some systematic programming to try and get us ready for it, well, mm -hmm. we're ready now. We're ready right now. We are. You know? I agree. I agree. I mean, even the church itself, for those who, who are very faithful oh, in, yes. in the religion, even they've said, okay, we have people on standby ready to help. Those are going yeah. to shock. We can uh, yeah. help you out with this. So I, I think it's the, you know, I think a lot of these big organizations and then I call the church an organization. It's a big, it's a Mecca. It's its own country. It's its own thing, you know. Yeah. But they're also taking the precaution for their faithful, their flock, um, to be there. The yes. counsel, well, to do whatever it takes. So, I mean, come on, people. Changes. If the church is saying, let's do it, you know, do it. I mean, the Pope said <laughs> he would baptize an alien. You know, they wouldn't have said that yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Science changes and so it too does. religion. It does. Human belief structured systems change as well. It's because we're advancing. It's because we're evolving and we're growing up. But it goes but, into our past. I think we need to to be educated on our past. I mean, again, I'll go back to the faithful. You know, the first testament. You look, let's look at Enoch. Let's look at Ezekiel. Oh, yes. I mean, come on, there's yeah. a show. <laughs> you know, people. Sure <laughs> da Vinci. Come on, you know where we're going with it. So, <laughs> you know, absolutely. So but, I just, I just pray. I just pray 
that people are honest and that they, mm. you know, that they work together, not fight, not argue. Agreed. We have one common denominator. That one common denominator is to find out that there is a much larger picture, not mm -hmm. only to the human genus, but also to time and space, to the universe, to God, to all mm -hmm. of it. Yes. We are all part of this. Why are we fighting? We should work together to push and evolve on a much higher level of understanding. You know, after all, we are still in kindergarten here on Earth. That is not demeaning a lot of brilliant people like yourselves and the rest out there, but we are still in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Let us reach out and be honest and work together in peace. Mm -hmm. That you would know, be this, nice. That would be wonderful, but I'm afraid it's a tall, it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's a tall, so order. It's a tall <laughs> order. I don't know. We can start with a few million people listening, you know, but uh, yes. So tell everybody what you've got coming up. Um, you know, how can people find you if they have stories to share, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, um, I have a, a number of books out already on paranormal and uh, UFOs. I have a new book coming out next year. I'm not going to mention the title just yet, Ooh. but it is about the greys and also about the abduction and areas of high strangeness. There's a little bit about the dogman in there. Awesome. Um, you can find us on www.thekinsellatwins.com. That's our website. Um, on Facebook or, you know, on, on any one of the channel, any of the channels, just check us out, you know, if you're interested. But um, that's how you can get. And we do run a radio show called um, Twin Souls, which is part of the Paranormal UK Radio Network. And also um, another show called, um, uh, oh, my goodness, do you know my mind's gone blank now? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's another radio okay. show. So, yeah. yeah. So we, it's, it's great. Okay. I mean, it's really cool. I'll get shot for that, but never mind. <laughs> I know. He's like, how do you forget that? <laughs> Your mind sometimes goes blank, doesn't it? Um, you know, um, but there we are. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it was a lot of fun. It really was just like bouncing some ideas around. And, and again, very refreshing because I'm completely on board with many of the things that you were saying. And yes. uh, always nice to hear somebody else come out with the same thing. It's always yes. great. But um, I will, this of course will air this evening uh prime time and uh you will hear from me after that and we will i'll give you listenership numbers it's always quite exciting once all the servers roll in and i uh, like that many people listen so, yes yes well i have to thank you so much for inviting me on your wonderful program and also for discussing some interesting highly speculative areas within ufology and also elements of the paranormal we're still looking we're still searching and we are you know none the wiser but at least we can think outside the box i agree with you 100 percent, 100 percent. so in closing i'm going to sign us off so again everyone thank you for tuning in to the outer realm we are at the end of another fantastic segment big thank you to philip kinsella just a wealth of information and really really good information guys check out the book which is called and maybe philip can tell us where we can find it but it's called Skywatch. Sorry, Sky Crash. Look at that. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. I didn't even get it. Sky Crash throughout time. Gosh, oh, yeah. been a day. It's been a day. Oh, and I forgot my own radio show, so don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it. We've I'm glad it's not just me, but you no. have an excuse. It's later for you than it is for me. Yeah. Right so, where where um, can they find the book and all your books? Well, 
Well, it's advertised in magazines, and you can also get it on Amazon as Kindle, as audio, as paperback, and um, hardback as well. So, yeah, you can get it Excellent. there. Excellent. There you go, people. You can go find it. Don't listen to me blubbering on. Anyway, big thank you to our sponsors, being Folgers Coffee. Dr. Snick, Justin Snickers, Steve McGinnis, thank you, thank you. Uh, to all, who, wherever you're watching, please subscribe, like, follow, whatever the case may be. Uh, tomorrow night, I will be connecting up with my very good friend and uh, fellow TV personality, Jack Kenna. Check him out. Y'all love him. Y'all know him. So he started this with me. He's going to come on and just guest host and uh, be on the show with me. So, guys. Have a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, and thank you, Philip. Thank you very much, Michelle.